0: Water, Earth, Fire, Air. Long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. Then, everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Only the Avatar, master of all four elements, stopped them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. A hundred years passed, and my brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe Aang can save the world. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to What's Oppa, a rewatch podcast of the greatest show ever, Avatar The Last Airbender. I'm Joyce.
1: I'm Justin. And I'm Anand.
2: And this week, we want to give a special shout out to our friend Karina, who read the intro.
0: This is episode 14 of our podcast, where we'll be discussing Bato of the Water Tribe.
2: Who the what now? (laughs) (laughs) So previously on Avatar, uh, we saw in the first few episodes that Sokka's dad and the other men of the Southern Water Tribe left to go to the Earth Kingdom to fight the Fire Nation. And we also saw in the imprisoned episode that Katara lost her necklace and Zuko picked it up and has it in his possession.
0: Yep. So the first scene is Team Avatar by the water and Aang finds this sword that's made out of a whale's tooth and Sokka sees it and he has an immediate flashback to him watching the other men of his tribe leave for war. And the coloring here is all bluish and it made me think that like, wait a second, flashbacks aren't all colored yellow. But then again, this is kind of a sad flashback. It's also a water tribe flashback and I feel like most of the flashbacks we've seen are Aang flashbacks, so I wonder if flashbacks are just colored by tribe or nation or by emotion. I'm not sure. It's unclear now to me.
1: I like to think it's emotion, but that'd be kind of weird because then, like, Water Tribe people dream in blue.
0: (laughs) Mm. And, like, I feel like Fire Nation flashbacks or Zuko's flashbacks are all super red just because Fire Nation's red. But he's
2: also, like, angry all the time, right? So. Mm Yeah,
0: I mean, some of them are sad. Yeah. Then maybe those are like more blue tone reds, you know? (laughs) All right, we'll keep more purple reds. Anyways, (laughs) then Sokka realizes it's a Water Tribe weapon, and they start searching for other Water Tribe things. And Sokka finds an arrow that's been burned.
2: Yeah, so Sokka gets all Boy Scout here and looks at the markings on the trees and sees that um, like some things were charred. He looks at the weapons and it's pretty cool. It shows how he's, like, really connected with nature and and all that stuff. But it also reminded me of the Avatar Day episode in Season 2 when Sokka goes full-out detective mode to try to exonerate uh, Aang.
1: (laughs) Yes, with the the hat and the monocle.
2: Yeah, the hat and the monocle, yep.
0: Yeah, that's actually so great. Wow, Avatar Day does have some fun moments in it. (laughs) Um (laughs) Yeah. Then Sokka concludes that there was a battle where Waterbenders were ambushed by a group of Firebenders, and the Firebenders fought back, but the Warriors drove them down a hill. And all this stuff is just—it's so impressive, you know. Sokka is able to, like, on and saying to do all this stuff. He's like reading the reading the land, and yeah, it's pretty cool. Sets us up for a Sokka-centric episode.
1: Yeah, I found it pretty funny because he's as he's walking through the forest, he sees like, very hard to make out things, you know, like a broken twig here, like some dirt scuffs there, a scratch here. He's, like, and telling this, like, really engaging narrative. And then Ings like, okay, and then what? And then what? And then what? Like, what happens next? And Sokka's like, I don't know, the trail ends here. And then it pans out, and Katara's just like, (laughs) uh, I don't know, there's a huge boat over there. I'm just like, ah, man. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah, I know. I was like, are you serious? But then, you know, you can... From, like, how the camera pans over, it, it is kind of far away. So conceivably, Sokka didn't see it. Poss- but it is, like, it was kind of dumb, <laughs> I thought. Like, Sokka's doing such a great job, you know? This is such an easy get. And then they run to the boat, and Katara wonders if it's their dad's boat. And Sokka says no, but it's from his fleet. And they find out that their dad was there.
2: Yeah, also coincidentally, this is the only thing Katara does this episode. So that's great. Um... <laughs> But yeah, this part not
0: also, but sorry, go ahead.
2: Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see.
1: She gets captured.
2: <laughs> yeah. So here we see that Sokka really knows his boats, which is also just really impressive. He's able to identify just by looking at the front of the ship that it's not his dad's boat, but it's from their fleet. Yeah. I guess this whole scene sets Sokka up as someone who's very knowledgeable about, about this kind of stuff.
0: And then we go to another boat that Iro and Zuko are on, and Iroh's trying to have tea time with Zuko and spend some quality time with his nephew, but then Zuko just, like, tries to have a calm moment and spills it all over his face when this ship rocks.
1: Yeah,
2: and then we got some uh, Iro wisdom. He says, a moment of quiet is good for your mental well-being. Very true. But I also feel like this episode is when Iroh starts actually spitting some, some real wisdom.
1: <laughs> Spilling the tea.
0: <laughs> uh, yes, correct. And then we see June and her shearshoe just like barging into the boat, and she says they're after her stowaway. Um, and yeah, they just trespass, you know, rude, so rude.
1: Yeah, and some fun facts. Apparently, June is designed after a staff member named Lisa Yang, in her shoes, name Nyla is also named after Yang's Rottweiler. And June is also voiced by Jennifer Hale, who apparently is the Guinness World Record holder for the most prolific video game voice actor. She is Ash from Overwatch. She also voices Kiyoshi. And she is Commander Shepard from Mass Effect and makes appearances in Star Wars. And she's also Cinderella from Ralph Breaks the Internet. Wow.
0: Wow. Very accomplished voice actor here.
2: Yeah, she does have a really good voice though. Like, I can see it.
0: I have some fun facts about Nyla and June as well. So, first, apparently Nyla is a male, which for the name Nyla, like, I was kind of surprised by. So, that's one thing. Um, also, the sheer shoe is a combination of a giant anteater, wolf, and star nosed mole. And uh, another area it could have gotten. Inspir- they could have gotten inspiration for this animal from was European moles are actually venomous and maybe that's like what inspired the oh, Sheer Shoe's wow. paralyzing tongue. And finally, apparently the Sheer Shoe was almost going to be a bloodvark which is a combination of a bloodhound and an aardvark because bloodhounds have famously have a great sense of smell but that's just such a worse name like a bloodvark (laughs) i
1: imagine like an emo arthur
0: (laughs) that's pretty funny oh my gosh that is what the sheer shoe is (laughs) well actually i guess yeah arthur is an aardvark oh but the sheer shoe is an anteater In the end, in his final form, apparently
2: it's a cross of three. So overpowered.
0: Yeah, which is too overpowered. You know, which is accurate to what this animal is. It's a hack, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, And then the shearshoe, you know, just like wrecks everything and everyone, and rips open the bottom of the ship, and then just like sniffs out the stowaway who's hiding in a barrel, and like drags him out.
1: Yeah, and I kind of thought about it. This Shu might be one of the strongest worldly beasts that we ever meet. It's able to rip apart metal, and it can tell if something uh, is still if something or someone still exists in this plane of existence, which is kind of I crazy. know it just like yeah.
0: it's so it's too op, but like it's also a fantasy world, so you can't really like fault them for it, but also you kind of can because it's just like.
1: Yeah, like, why doesn't Zuko just continually hire June or, like, capture the Sheer Shoe?
0: I know. I was thinking the same thing. Or, like, why wouldn't the Fire Lord, like, track this, like, one Sheer Shoe that exists in the world down and, like, (laughs) steal it or rob her or something, you know?
2: Yeah, if you can paralyze any bender, like, indefinitely, that's so OP.
0: So, yeah, then the Shoe paralyzes the stowaway when he tries to run and they capture him. And June explains, oh, he's only paralyzed temporarily for about an hour and the Shoe can smell a rat a continent away, which is a uh, un- downplaying the skills of the shoe, Because like Justin said, the Shishu can actually just tell somebody's exists. <laughs> so she was being modest there. Yeah, so the next scene is Team Avatar camping at night and they're by the ship and Aang is sleeping on Appa's arm and Katara is so snuggled up in her sleeping bag and it's just very cozy and they're on the beach and they're by a beach bonfire and I'm like, wow, this is just the ideal hangout situation, you know what <laughs> I mean? Um, yeah, except for Sokka who is just not in any like warm clothes at all, just warm warmed by the fire, so...
2: Yeah, that looks super nice. That's where I want to be right now. Um, (laughs) But as the camera pans down, the first image is an image of a full moon. And because of what happens later in the show, obviously, I'm super attuned to the phase of the moon whenever they show it. Mm -hmm. So... I mean, yeah, it, it doesn't really end up connecting to the episode at all, but um, it just primed me for some shenanigans to go down. But I guess, you know, I guess it just means it was more a water tribe related episode. So maybe it was hinting at some more water tribe related stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Like I said, Sokka is up reminiscing and then we go into another Sokka flashback. So Sokka's face is all painted for war and he's carrying all of his, all of his things towards the boats. And then his dad sees him and stops him and says, you know, like, you stay here, like, you can't come. And Sokka says, I'm strong, I'm brave, I can fight. Please, dad. (laughs) And then his dad says, being a man is knowing where you're needed the most. And for you, right now, that's here protecting your sister. And then he says, I'm going to miss you so much. And they hug and Sokka starts sobbing. And it's just, it's very emotional. I mean, this is, it highlights the root of Sokka's being I guess like his whole purpose right now and it's just very touching and then it fades back to Sokka looking very stern in the glow of the fire and I thought this this transition was kind of cool because we just saw like baby voiced cute Sokka and I think his expression and just like the way he like the fire is like glowing and all these things just make him look very very grown up he got that chiseled jawline now, too, because it's like a nice, nice side profile. So he's grown up a lot since that memory. And then Bato approaches them and Saka says, Bato? And Aang says, who the what now? And yeah, I thought this was kind of funny. I, I was like, wow, this show really likes making fun of people's names. Like we got Aunt Who, and then we got who the what now uh, uh, when they hear the name Bato.
1: Some other fun facts or interesting tidbits that could be related to Bateau. Apparently uh, Bateau is fr- and I might be butchering this pronunciation, but it's French for boat, um, and Bateau is also an anagram for boat, so both very mm-hmm. boat-like names. <laughs>
2: yeah, Yeah, and his name doesn't have a K, and he's from the Water Tribe, so Whoa! maybe they were up to something there with that name.
0: yeah. I know, they're like, oh, should we go for the K or should we go for the, the boat joke? <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, and when, he, when they realize it's him, Sokka and Katara are very excited to see him and embrace him. Uh, and we can see that either they are very short or he is very tall. And a fun fact is that Bato is actually the tallest of the Southern Water Tribe warriors. And then Aang tries to introduce himself. He's kind of lingering back and he's completely ignored.
2: Yeah. So the first half of this episode, they really try to play up the fact that Aang is just totally left out. But even this time when he's introducing himself and he's just totally ignored, just felt really weird and not super believable. And I feel like it happens a couple of times.
1: I don't know. I've definitely experienced this, at least in my personal life, you know, when you're out with a friend and you run into some old friend that they know and they, they strike up a conversation and you're just kind of awkwardly standing to the side. I think Aang does kind of introduce himself when they're in the middle of a hug. Uh, and Bato does acknowledge Aang at the end of this scene where he like kind of turns around and like gestures for him to come. Uh, but yeah, I do agree. I think this is kind of at least a socially awkward experience and Aang is kind of used to being the center of attention because he's the avatar and i think this is a start of him feeling left out
0: yeah totally i i i feel like there are just so many social dynamics in this episode that we can kind of analyze i guess um but yeah i i kind of agree i thought they felt a little unnatural and i definitely did not like watching them <laughs> Anyways, Sok and Katara ask about their dad's whereabouts and Bato says he and the other warriors should be in the Earth Kingdom by now. And they decide to go inside to chat because it's cold. And this is what Justin was saying. Bato walks away with Sok and Katara in each of his arms. And at the very end, he turns around and gestures, just literally just like the like the hand gesture, like the four fingers come here. No words exchanged for Aang to come too. Yeah. And I don't know. Like, I think this is the beginning of me not liking Bato. I don't like Bato so far. I honestly like I know he shows up and he fights and stuff but I mean this is definitely his like his moment like this episode is his moment in the show and I'm just not a fan and I'm not impressed because like okay you know we've all been in awkward social situations where you like didn't know others but he is literally the adult and like also Aang is like I don't know that he knows Aang is the avatar but like like i mean because you know news who knows how fast it spreads but like you know you just like it's just so rude
2: yeah no i i totally agree like i i, I see what you mean justin like i think it's one thing for sokka and katara to not really introduce um ang to bato but for bato not to say anything to hang i think is just pretty terrible
0: then they all go to this Abbey and Bato explains that he's been staying here and that the sisters there have been caring for him because he got injured uh, in the whole altercation with the Fire Nation. And Bato introduces the sisters to Koda's children. Cute little nickname there. And says they've been traveling with Avatar. So he did know. He knew. I-, I mean, actually, maybe they talked on the way back or... Which would have been nice, or they didn't talk at all on the way back, which would have been <laughs> horrible, and he just knew. And then the sisters welcome Aang, and Aang says, it's a pleasure to be here, but he gets cut off when Sokka's like, ooh, what smells so good? And then Bato says, oh, the sisters craft ointments and perfumes, and this is very convenient. And Sokka says, maybe we could dump some on Appa, because he stinks so much, am I right?
2: yeah so some classic Sokka humor right here and (laughs) of course no one laughs and we hear a cough in the background um which is reminiscent of the Omashu episode when um when we heard all the coughs in the background with Sokka's other stupid jokes so just kind of (laughs) delightful
0: yeah I when I heard that I was like oh this is great because I definitely like never noticed that before I just thought this joke was like Disrespectful. Like, why does like Appa get so, you know, roughed up this episode? I mean, cause he like finally fights, which is cool. But like, Saka, don't go for Appa. You wouldn't be anything without Appa.
1: <laughs> yeah. And clearly, Appa doesn't even smell that bad because when they're fighting, the shirshu doesn't get overwhelmed by Appa's smell. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's a good point.
0: So, what a low blow. Really cheap shot there. Yeah, and then Katara and Bato stare at Sokka, completely unamused, and Bato says, ah, you have your father's wit. Um, and then they go to Bato's tent, and Katara and Sokka get very excited because it looks just like home, and Sokka says, everything's here, even dead animal skins. And yeah, then we get Aang kind of being like, oh, yeah, great. And I'm just like, wow, he's being the the stereotypical judgmental vegetarian.
1: for good reason though
0: and then katara opens up this pot that's over the fire and says no way stewed sea prunes and i just i could kind of like i think that moment where she discovered that the sea prune stew like was really nice because i think it was very evocative of like or nothing screams like missing home like having a home-cooked meal like after years and years you know Mm -hmm. or not it hasn't Mm -hmm. been years but but you know it's been a while and like it's just like everyone can relate to that feeling so that was kind of nice yeah
2: that's true however i didn't really relate to that feeling because stewed sea prunes sounds like the worst possible thing i could ever ever imagine eating so
1: (laughs) (laughs) for all you listeners out there anan vehemently hates seafood
2: yeah, most seafood, especially shellfish.
1: I-, I could see this being appetizing.
0: Yeah, I could see it too. It maybe has the texture of like sashimi or something, mm-hmm. or I don't know, something nice and slimy.
1: Yeah, maybe with like some miso, Yeah, some tofu in yeah. there. I could see it working.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, I agree, Gross. but Ang does not agree either, and he smells the soup and he goes, Ugh, and then i thought this was rude from aang because it's so loud he doesn't even attempt to hide his disgust and it's just like it's like he's encountering this new culture for the first time and he's just blatantly in front of these people <laughs> who have missed their culture for like months and months going like ew your food still disgusting like uh everyone is so like frustrating in this episode <laughs>
1: yeah and then momo like walks up to the bowl and sticks his tongue in and he also just like gags <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so when momo doesn't want it you know it's bad
0: oh my gosh i didn't notice that actually that's really funny
1: i i definitely think the scene in the beginning it could just been you know like they're having this really emotional moment like maybe he doesn't hear ang or like he's like processing this moment where he meets Sokka and Katara and then it gets cold and like things are moving fast or they move in so he doesn't really have a chance to like introduce himself but then like Aang's like this weird kid inside his hut you know he's like putting uh, we'll see but like he's like doing all this weird stuff so I could definitely see Bato if he's like a more stoic serious person he's just like who the heck is this kid and like why is he being all weird around my house you know I don't know
2: yeah I could see that
0: Yeah, I mean, who knows what Bato is like because he's like nothing as far as we can (laughs) see. (laughs) Anyways, then Katara asks Bato about all these stories and says, is it true you and dad lasted an Arctic hippo? And then, you know, they start to trade stories of Bato's childhood with, you know, their father. Aang tries to relate and says, I ride animals too. And then he's like, one time some blah, 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 blah. And Sokka just cuts him off immediately and asks about another story.
2: Yeah, this is... Probably Sokka's worst moment the whole episode, and to me, again, it seems like kind of unrealistic, but yeah, I don't know. It just seemed like too much.
0: Yeah, I agree. I I actually, yeah, I wrote, this is next level rude, and I don't know if I can ever forgive Sokka for this. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Also, Aang isn't even sitting in their circle. I don't know. Maybe this is just like stemming also from like personal awkward, like moments of social... Whatever anxiety, but come on! If you know, if you're them, it's your role to like welcome in people who are, you know, are the newcomers and stuff. And he's not even in the circle. That's so uncomfortable.
1: Yeah,
2: and you've had your good food, and you're in your nice warm cabin. Like it's time for you to bring him in.
0: Yeah, and then Sokka just like, oh, I think they're talking about another story, and then Sokka just doesn't even feel ang in because it's a long one. That's just fair, okay. I'll like, except, you know, they don't have that much time and that's like totally something you would say. Like, we'll talk about it later. But Aang does slump over in the background and just looks like really sad. Then he puts on, like, they just keep talking and he's in the background just like pulling his own shenanigans because no one's paying attention to him. And he puts on this animal skin and Bato tells him to like, put it down, and he walks away feeling really lonely. Bato also uses kind of a stern tone, but, you know, it is kind of a sacred, sacred headpiece, so that's fair, I guess. But anyways, poor Ang feels bad. <laughs> um, then the next scene is June in the bar, and she's wrestling a super buff guy.
1: Yeah, and if you're paying attention to who that guy is and you play Smash at all, because I think any, anyone else would just be too old, but apparently that's Ryu from Street Fighter. Just showing how strong June actually is.
0: Yeah. And then Zuko and Iroh enter, and Zuko's like, out of my way! Step aside, filth! And just, like, shoving everyone aside. And, yeah. (laughs) And then Iroh says, he means no offense. I'm certain you bathe regularly. Which is, uh good ira moment and then zuko asked to talk to june and she says oh if it isn't my new friends angry boy and uncle lazy and she pretty much just <laughs> nails them like she just like had yeah. one look at them and like she's like nailed what they are for like the rest of the season until like the finale i guess um <laughs> and yeah then she wins the arm wrestle and everyone throws money and cheers and Yeah, and then Zuko demands to be paid back for his ship's damages. Then back at Bato's, uh, Bato tells Katara and Sokka that he's expecting a message from their father. Aang is like in the foreground of this shot and he's just getting some shut eye because he's so freaking bored. But he wakes up when he hears this news of their father. And I don't know if you guys can relate, but this reminds me of like, being at a family party where there aren't really any other kids and it's just all the adults hanging out and you're the only kid and then everyone's just playing cards and drinking and you're like eight and you're just really bored and so you take a nap on the couch until you decide to go home. Relatable or not relatable? (laughs) I feel like this is my experience. Is this an only child thing? I'm not sure. but
1: I I think it's an only child thing. I've always had like tons of cousins or at the very least my sister to, to play with.
2: Yeah, it's an only (sighs) child thing. I'm sorry.
1: It's
0: okay. But (laughs) me and Aang are like connected in our souls. And Vato says, if you wait here until the message arrives, you can come with me and see your father again. And then Aang looks super worried and he leaves the room and goes for a walk. And yeah, I, I think I was wondering if like, I think it's his like emotions are twofold. Like he's feeling neglected and he also is like, miss sad because he doesn't have his own family or his own culture you know to
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah that's a good point.
0: to you know to relate to and and Katara and Sokka do and you know up until this point it was okay because like the three of them were their unit but now Katara and Sokka like do have their their family that they can go back to and he doesn't um and then Sokka says oh we'd love to but we can't we have to take Aang to the North Pole first and It's just so annoying because it's like, yes, Aang left right before this happened. Great. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, it's too convenient. And then Aang, uh, Aang leaves and he's perched on the head of the ship and says, I can't believe they would leave me. And then he hears this horse neighing and this earthbender soldier is coming, approaching on one of these like ostrich horse things. And he says... He's looking for Bato of the Water Tribe. And then Aang says, oh, I know Bato. And the soldier gives Aang the scroll. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's kind of weird that this guy just like believes Aang and just like rides off into the sunset.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty true. (laughs) And then Aang opens it and sees that it's a map to Sokka and Katara's dad. And he crumples it up and hides it in his clothes.
1: (laughs) Aang is trying to do some male voter fraud here. (laughs)
2: um yeah i don't know like i wasn't sure that this is also something that's totally believable for ang to do because it's pretty pretty crazy thing he's doing here because he knows that Sokka and katara the one thing they want is to see their father so what do you guys think about that
0: Mm, i think out of everything so far this is the most believable because he is 12 and like he's feeling like very abandoned by the only two people who he has left
1: Yeah, I think he's jealous, and I think this episode is a good reminder that they're human and they're fallible, and as much as they were caricatures in the previous episodes, I think this is starting to come into the light where we see a lot of character development and, like, interesting social situations, which makes the show so great.
0: Yeah, but it's also, I think, one of his worst moments. Super quick comment on the next scene, Uh, it's like, then we see Zuko and Iroh and June going around and like tracking Katara. And I just want to mention that when they visit the herbalist, that is a goof because only Aang ever goes to the Herbalist. Katara never goes there. And so they shouldn't like track her scent there.
2: Oh. Yeah, that's actually that's a good point.
0: Yeah, I did not catch that myself, but I thought it was a very interesting cinema sin. Anyways, then Aang returns to Bato's tent and he says, hey, everyone, sorry I was gone so long. And Katara says, hey, Aang, didn't even realize you left, which is just kind of an ouch. (laughs) It's like believable, but ouch. Yeah, I just think it's interesting. Katara has been very neglectful of him the past two episodes. And I guess it makes more sense in this moment. But like last episode was a little unbelievable. And it's just, it's sad. I feel like they've regressed in their relationship.
2: Yeah, because at the end of the last episode, she just realized that he was the one for her. And now she's back (laughs) to ignoring him.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and then... Aang starts to be overly nice because he just feels super guilty and he's like, I could go for some delicious sea prunes and starts chowing it all down and then quickly spitting it all out. And then the next scene is the morning in the abbey or the next day. Aang airbends some hay to Appa at the very beginning of the scene. I thought this is cool because airbending equals telekinesis in a way. Or like in effect, can you just move anything around by bending the air around it because that's a pretty good practical everyday airbending move and yeah then this map falls out of his clothes and the sister picks it up and says aha i caught you and he like gets really nervous and say and then she says littering in the courtyard and yeah ang apologizes but he feels really guilty and i think it is good that they show ang's guilt slowly consuming him through the episode Mm-hmm. It's very that part is believable for sure. And then the next scene is the gang at the ship and Aang sees the horse tracks and gets nervous and covers them up. And I was like, haha. literally covering his tracks. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then uh, Bato is showing the kids the ship and Sokka finds out that it's the ship that his father took Bato ice dodging in anyways. And then Bato asks about Sokka's first ice dodging trip. And I just thought, oh, Bato, have you no tact?
1: (laughs) Yeah, he doesn't. He really doesn't.
0: (laughs) He is such an average character. Um, (laughs) And, you know, it's only just so we can see Sokka be really sad about it.
2: Yeah. So then they explain that ice dodging is a rite of passage for men of the Southern Water Tribe at the age of 14. And it's cool because, yeah, the, the water tribes are based off Inuit cultures and a lot of indigenous cultures have rite of passage ceremonies where, you know, young, usually the boys at a certain age do some like act to show their bravery or courage and then they become adults. So it's cool that they incorporated that part of the culture into it. And also it's cool that the ice dodging is the rite of passage. Like I think that's a really creative thing given their environment and and where they live. So I thought that was cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is pretty neat. Uh, and then Katara says, no, Sokka never got to go. And then Bato says, oh, I forgot. You were too young. And then <laughs> Bato's like, okay, well, I'm going to take you ice dodging. And I'm like, okay, better, better, <laughs> but not good enough. Anyways, the next scene is Zuko and Ko traveling again. And they go to the fortune teller's village. And June says, oh, the girl must have spent a lot of time here, um, which is haha, kind of jab at Katara's obsession. <laughs> and then Aunt Wu says to Iroh, Care to hear your fortune, handsome? Ew. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and then Ira says, at my age, there's really only one big surprise left, and I just as soon leave it a mystery.
2: More wise words. I know, this one actually like gave me,
0: not like goosebumps, but I wrote, I was just like, wow, this is an amazing quote.
2: That was a really good line. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they go ice dodging, but instead of dodging ice, they're dodging rocks. Yeah, so Sokka steers and calls the shots, and Katara is handling the mainsail, and Aang controls the jib. And Bato says, your position is about trust. And Aang completely loses his chill and says, I know that. Why wouldn't I know that? I'm the Avatar. I know about trust. (laughs) You know, Aang was a really good liar at one point, and now he's a really bad one. (laughs) Or, well, I guess he's not lying, but like... Yeah, he does not have it together. And then they do it. They do the ice dodging thing. And there are just so many boating terms. And at one point, Sokka says, helm to lee to Aang. And Aang's like, what does that mean? And yeah, I just didn't know what any of this meant. And so let's define them.
2: Oh, thank you.
0: Yeah, of course. I did the work of finding all the definitions, the, the hard labor of Googling and clicking on the first Wikipedia link. So a mainsail is the bigger sail. If you like look at the classic two sail sailboat that you could draw on like doodles, the mainsail is the big one and the jib is the small triangular one that um, Mm. is used more for steering. And then helm to lee is not a real saying, I don't think, but (laughs) lee helm is the tendency of a sailboat to turn away from the wind and the helm is the steering wheel or like the rudder. And Lee is the wind, so helm to Lee could mean steer towards the wind or something. Then they make it through uh, the first round, but then there are even more rocks, and Bato says, you know, Sokka, you've already proven yourself, Um, but he's like, ah, whatever, he wants to keep going.
2: Yeah, and I was kind of surprised, because clearly Sokka is super overconfident, because he's doing well, and he wants to do super well, and then he's really kind of overconfident here, but they actually succeed, and nothing really went wrong, so... It was just interesting. Like, I as soon as Saka got like so cocky that he was like, "Yeah, we're gonna do it," I was like, "Oh, something's gonna go wrong," but nothing went wrong. So I guess it's an impressive moment for Saka.
0: Yeah, I definitely thought it was impressive. I actually didn't read it as cocky at all. I thought it was, I read it as very like, self assured.
2: Hmm. I I thought especially because Bato was saying no, but also like, what is Bato? He's a nothing. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It is a little foolhardy, though. Yeah. He could have <laughs> could have killed the Avatar.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was a pretty bold plan when we see it in action. But yeah, Sokka tells Aang to put air in the sail and Katara to put water between the ship and the rocks.
2: Yeah, so to me, I mean, if this is a a rite of passage for Sokka, it seems a little like cheating that he can use the bending of Katara and Aang. But at the same time, I, I guess it shows that he is a good leader in that he uses the tools at his disposal to succeed. So it is a good move on his part.
0: And he thinks outside the box, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true.
0: But yeah, they sail right over the rocks. Easy peasy. And they make it through safely. So after ice dodging, Bato marks Sokka with the mark of the wise, Katara with the mark of the brave, and Aang with the mark of the trusted, and tells Aang that he is now an honorary member of the Water Tribe and yeah for at first i was like oh i don't know about this whole trusted thing like why why is handling the jib more trust and why is this mark the mark of trust and why give it to aang other than to make him feel really guilty Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. kind of reminded me of the line about him being a powerful what a powerful bender that kid is
2: yeah yeah
0: but actually upon doing some more research This is kind of the justification that I read for giving each of them the marks that they received. So Mark of the Wise for Sokka because he's the leader. He had to make decisions like, yeah, it kind of makes sense. Mark of the Brave for Katara because she had to secure the mainsail. And the mainsail, you have to prevail. When you're working the mainsail, you have to, quote, prevail against the brutal winds. Hmm so yeah brave and then mark of the trusted because Aang controlled the jib in order to successfully navigate which relates to trust because without having a steady hand everyone goes down because you have to like
2: be steady oh, with the,
0: to navigate with the jib
2: i guess you know some a little little something about that joyce being a coxswain and all that
0: yeah you know everyone trusts <laughs> me so much i can do no wrong i'm not the imposter so then Aang feels too guilty and he says, you can't trust me and gives them the map.
2: This, I think, is is like totally believable. I think as soon as we accept that Aang crumples up the map and puts it in his pocket, I think it's totally believable that the guilt kind of consumes him and then he just kind of spills it out. So good on him for, you know, admitting his mistake. He didn't have to admit it here.
0: Yeah. And then Sokka gets rightfully angry and says, how could you? well, you can go to the North Pole on your own. I'm going to find Dad, And then he says, Katara, are you coming? And Katara says, I'm with you, Sokka.
2: Yeah, are you, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> uh, do we remember the second episode when Katara was willing to be banished from her tribe to go away with Aang and help him <laughs> on his journey? Like, suddenly Katara's like, I'm with you, Sokka, and just turns to leave. Are you kidding me?
0: Yeah. Leaves that's a, a bad good-
2: taste in my mouth. That was ridiculous.
0: That's a really good point, like. Bringing it back to the second episode. And then Bato leaves with Sokka and Katara without saying a word. (laughs) (laughs) Even if he thinks it was a bad thing to do, which it is. Actually, no. He does say Sokka. Like, he goes like, Sokka dot dot dot. Like, Like, when Sokka's getting really mad. But, I don't know. Like, he's the adult. And, like, they're literally having a breakup of, like, the three kid unit that they've been together for multiple, many, many months and he's not, like, trying to mediate or sort through the situation with these little kiddos at all. What a lame dude. Yeah, so they all leave and they are preparing for their trip to just go to find Hakoda and Katara goes up to Aang and says, good luck, and Aang says, okay, you too. Which is just incredibly (laughs) awkward and so wrong. And then Aang leaves with Appa and Momo. And then Saka, Katara, and Bato are walking in the woods, and they hear a wolf call, and Katara says, the wolf sounds so sad. And Bato says, oh, it's been separated from the pack. And Bato says, I understand that pain, and says that's how he felt when he was left behind. And then Saka recalls the memory of watching the ship sail away from the Southern Water Tribe, and then Saka says, he realizes, we need to go back. I want to see dad, but helping Aang is where we're needed the most. And that was a nice moment, like I, I, you know, the kind of quoting of his own father, and like in a great way. And that actually makes me think of how Zuko and Sokka have the parallels with like wanting to, wanting to live up to their father, but like Zuko's is completely toxic, and Sokka's mm-hmm. is in- completely great, um, and. Zuko tried to do it a couple episodes ago with being a dick to the helms pe- helmsmen, and then now Sokka is doing it by being good.
2: And 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 the timing is fitting. I mean, I think, obviously, it was planned this way, but Sokka finally has the rite of passage moment where he's, like, now basically officially a man. Yeah, and now, now that he's a man, like, the whole quote, like, finally comes together, like his father's quote, that yeah. you need to know where you need to be. So I thought it was nice as first, like, action as someone who has become an adult is is this yeah and then um like yeah we need to go back and Katara's like you're right and like what like this doesn't make any sense Katara is such a nothing in this episode like she didn't put up any resistance when they left and now she just like just agrees with like you're right okay let's go back like it's just Aang yeah like okay there's, there's nothing there. There's no emotion there.
0: Yeah, I know. I agree. I feel like there's never room for Sokka and Katara to be both real people in any one episode. <laughs>
1: an episode. I think it's not that weird, at least when they leave. Because if she has to choose between her brother and Aang, especially this early on, obviously I think she would choose her brother every time. But yeah, I do think it's weird she doesn't have like yeah. an I told you so or mo- kind of moment here. Although I think in season three, there are a few episodes where they are both real people and they have like real discussions, especially when she goes to, you know, try to get vengeance on the man who like killed their mother, Sokka's actually makes some good points.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's why season three is the best. And it, but it takes a while. (laughs) Yeah, season three
2: is not the best, but the show definitely does mature a lot uh, after the first season. So.
0: So the next scene is the Sheershu people finding Katara. And June says, so this is your girlfriend. No wonder she left. She's way too pretty for you. And Zutara, Zutara. And then Zuko asks where Aang is. And Sokka says he's long gone. And he's like, do you think I'm stupid? And then they try to run. Or Sokka and Katara try to run. And the Sheershu paralyzes them. And the Sheershu f- sniffs out the map from Katara's backpack. Which... Is like okay. The sheershu shoe is already way too freaking powerful. It can also sniff out the next scent. That is the correct scent to be following. Yeah, like, that's true. <laughs> how is this happening? Then they. I'll uh, go back to the Abbey, and it's the fight scene. So they have. Uh, they go back, and Aang also comes back because he realizes that they're going after Katara, and he. And Appa takes down the shoe, and yeah, they start to fight each other.
2: Yeah. And so meanwhile, Iroh is in the corner and he smells perfume and he kind of likes it. And then he kind of sneaks it away. So Iroh's, Iroh's stealing here, which is also a little questionable.
0: And then, like, June gets struck down, and then Ira goes to wake her up, and then she gets back on her shoe. like, like, he taps her awake, and she, like, wakes up, and then she, like, scowls, and then goes away, but then he, like, smiles really big right after that, so he's such a weirdo, and then (laughs) Aang sees the necklace on Zuko's wrist, and starts to, they start to fight around this well, and he starts to, like, shape shift on top of this well, um... And it's pretty cool because he wants to get closer to Zuko without being burned. And this is like definitely the highlight of the action sequence for me. And this face off between Zuko and Aang in very, very close proximity. So it's like less about bending. I mean, Zuko is still bending, but it's like they're kind of just fighting like martial arts style.
2: Yeah, it's like all about the movement. I really like this fight scene. I think it might be the best of the show to this point. They're basically just dancing around the well. And it's really cool. And the dancing kind of also reminds me of the Firebending Masters when Aang and Zuko actually do a dance, like, together instead of fighting. <laughs> but the the choreography here is really cool, and, and I really like it. Also, one thing I like about this fight in general is you kind of have Appa fighting um, the Shishu and June, and then Zuko fighting Aang. But then they actually, like, cross over. Like, at some point, like, the Shishu, like, attacks Aang, and then they, like, fight And I like when the show like does that. They have like these people that like all interplay with each other and they get some really like good choreography in this fight.
0: Yeah. And then the the sister, one of the sisters revitalizes Sokka and Katara with some of the perfume and Sokka says, oh, that thing sees with its nose. Let's give it something to look at. So smart and so clever, Sokka. Mm hmm. So they dump out all the perfume, and Katara bends it to surround the sheer shoe, which is pretty cool too. And the sheer shoe gets like high off of all this scent. Like you see the sheer shoe's point of view, and it's just like super trippy. And then it starts to just paralyze people randomly, and flick its tongue out, and kind of falls over. And then June gets struck, and Zuko, and and Iro, maybe. Because June is lying on top of Iroh and Zuko says, uncle, I didn't see you get hit with the tongue. And Uncle Iroh goes, shh. And then June, like, opens her eyes and just looks so mad, rightfully so, but the girl can't move.
1: Yeah, there's some definitely very questionable sexual harassment happening.
0: Yeah, this is like, uh, <laughs> nervous laughter.
1: We need to cancel Iroh. I know, seriously.
0: That's the end of the fight scene and then Team Avatar is riding the sky and Aang asks, so where are we going? And Sokka and Katara say, oh, to the North Pole because you're our family and right now you need us more. And Sokka says that and Katara says, and we need you. And Aang gets all cute here and he's like, I wish I could give you a piece of home, Katara. Maybe something like this it's like a longer quote and she's like yeah it's all it's all good and then he holds up the necklace that he got back and you know she's super excited to be reunited with it because it has been a long time since she lost that necklace and Aang says oh Zuko said to be sure to I got it to you which is pretty funny and then Katara says oh that's so sweet of Zuko would you give him a kiss for me when you see him and Katara kisses Aang on the cheek and he blushes and he's like twiddling his thumbs too it's <laughs> it's definitely like very cute I think this is one of their before it was a fortune teller where everything was like so like forced I guess but yeah this this one was nice and then we have avatar love playing in the background and all and it's nice
2: but um, wasn't the kiss meant for Zuko? So it's really a Zutara moment.
0: It's really a Zutara moment.
1: <laughs> By this point in the show, both Zuko and Aang have given her the betrothal necklace. Oh! Dun dun dun! Wow.
0: Uh, Katara. <laughs> She's too good. And that's the episode. So let's go on to our ratings.
2: So I will give this episode three. I think... The only redeeming part of this episode... I think there are two redeeming parts of the episode. I think the fight at the end was really cool. I thought the choreography was really good. And I also think June is a really likable character. So I think those are the redeeming parts of it. I think we kind of belabored like what we don't like about it. I think the plot, a lot of it is super contrived. And Katara... Okay. She does bend the perfume onto the sheer shoe. That's literally the only thing she does this episode, so she's not really a character. Oh, also sorry, I forgot. I think Sokka kind of growing in this episode is also on the redeeming features. But overall, so much of the episode is just so much like contrived, like awkward social situations, and I'm not a huge fan of that.
1: Yeah, I think I give this a five. It's like a perfectly average episode. I didn't find anything particularly amazing. The choreography, I do agree, was really, really great. If you do get a chance, I would go back and watch that fight. Yeah, I also agree. It's kind of like a dance. The cadence where they were fighting over the well almost felt like the dance they that Aang and the Fire Nation students have. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> it felt kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, I don't hate the contrived social situations as much. I feel like there's a lot of very contrived s- social situations throughout a lot of Avatar, but I think what they were exploring here, the loneliness that Aang feels, him realizing that, like, his family, Sokka and Katara, they actually have a family. Maybe that is some like deeper issues that he has to deal with that surface here. That jealousy, exploring that, exploring Sokka and Katara's, you know, homesickness. I think they're they could have done more to explore it, but I, I think they're interesting ideas to explore. Yeah, Bato was a little flat, but at the same time, for a contrived situation, like it's an interesting one to explore at the very least. So I, I did it didn't bother me as much.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to also give it a three. Um, I just thought the characters were really annoying. Um, Like Sokka was annoying at some point. I mean, Sokka's good too. But like, yeah, like Anan was saying, the like social awkwardness of it all was like just really ugh, not pleasant. And then, um, yeah, Aang like did a bad thing. And I don't know, obviously he's not perfect. And I do like that they highlight that. But personally for me, I just like find it harder to be into the episode when Aang is not great you know because Aang is like the main character who you want to like um so in episodes where he's not as good like I just don't like them as much uh even though I guess it's important um and yeah I just think he's also forgiven really easily at the end like same thing at the great divide where I guess not even forgiven but like naughty like there's just no uh like there's nothing to that addresses like what he did in the great divide but like here i guess like he fessed up which is good um and then Sok and katara came back which was because more they thought that it was the right thing for them to do but not because they like forgave him you know there was no like let's talk like let's kind of unpack like why what you did was super super wrong um anyways yeah it just felt like too quick at the beginning Bato was super lame, and then I guess the action at the end was good. Actually, like, now that I think about it, like, I do kind of want to go back and rewatch it, because it, it was a good action sequence, but honestly, like, I felt like I really wasn't that wowed the first time, like, kind of rewatching it. Maybe because I was so jaded from the rest of the episode, but Appa gets his moment to shine, Aang and Zuko actually face off, but I wasn't, like, wowed until, like, now thinking about it, it was a really good action scene. Yeah, and Sokka gets a nice moment, so... Yeah, I also think it's nice because it does build suspense for Sokka and Katara finally reuniting with their dad, which I read somewhere that, like, it actually doesn't happen until season end of season two, which I didn't realize, but it's a long time, you know, a long build-up, and it's kind of nice. It, it provides a lot of that. It helps feel make that moment feel momentous. It was fine. It was less than fine, so a uh, three it is. <laughs> And that concludes this episode of the podcast. So thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed our discussion of Bato of the Water Tribe. As always, we release on What's appa Wednesdays. So we'll see you next time for our discussion of the deserter. If you want to stay up to date on when we release or submit thoughts or questions about the episodes, feel free to follow us on Instagram at at what's underscore appa, like our Facebook page, or you can email us at what's gmail at gmail.com. Also, subscribe to our podcast on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts if you like the episode and you want to hear more. And be sure to hit us with a five-star rating if you liked what you heard. Um, thanks again, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye.
1: Bye. Flamio Hotman.